Yes. If you're like me, you're no doubt a big fan of this podcast, The Pope on Film. I mean, who is it nowadays in this climate? But only real fans, true hardcore fans, would no doubt know two things about us, two fundamentally and in no way totally made up on the spot true facts about uh, America's hottest podcasting couple, Bunny and Steve. First and foremost, the first fact about you, Bunny, is that way back when yeah. you used to be a professional wrestler in the 80s. Tell the audience, if you please, what your wrestling name was and what your finishing move was. My wrestling name was the Dazzling Bunsker. Nice. Yeah, no, uh, yes. And my finishing move was the rabbit's foot. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. I see. I, I mean, really- I mean, you know, they're just like all wrestling moves. It's another wrestling move. You just like rename it and rebrand it. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so this is the one where Kurt Angle grabs your foot and gets your lock. foot there and starts twisting it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Same yeah. same thing. I would just call it the rabbit's foot. Yeah. Nice. And the second thing that you would know about me is that I'm a lover of history. I love it, but I'm also a storyteller. So what I like to do here is get a story from the history books, maybe one that people don't know too well, and reword it via my own unique storytelling style. And that's what this is, another educationally uneducational installment of Steve's Historic Approximation! Or SHAP, as I like to call it, repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wants me to or not. Personally, I like the name SHAP. Fun fact, according to the Urban Dictionary, the term SHAP is now a popular Canadian term, a blanket term used, quote, when discussing all things relevant to the Vancouver Canucks. Okay. As in, uh, like, say you see your buddy at a Vancouver Canucks game and you go, hey, Shap, how's the Shap today? What's your Shap on the game? Okay. So that's what Shap means in Canada. Nice. So so in America, it means Steve's historic approximations. Everyone knows Shap in America. But in Canada, you say, have you heard Shap? And they're like, no, I haven't heard the uh, Vancouver Canucks game. It's a completely different term in Canada. Good to know. And so this week on the old Shappity Shap Shap, we will be talking about the true story of Irish Dracula. And how, if you want to know where Dracula really came from, don't go to Transylvania like some kind of touristy sap. (laughs) A shap sap. No, you go to Ireland, specifically the small coastal town of Sligo, S-L-I-G-O, located in the northwestern region of Ireland. It's a port city, small, quaint town, 
population, roughly 20,000 people. Each year they have a big three-day music festival called Sligo Live that attracts big Irish artists like the Proclaimers and Sinead O'Connor. Hey, remember when Sinead O'Connor was canceled in the 90s? Yes. I have been talking about this online this entire week because learning about Irish Dracula has really got me thinking that like Sinead O'Connor had a huge hit with nothing compares to you. And she was all over the place and she was asked to be on SNL and on SNL, she ripped a picture of the Pope live on the air to protest. Yes. Protest the sexual assault of children by the Catholic church. And everyone was like, You ripped a picture of the Pope? Well, we're going to cancel Sinead O'Connor. She's not popular anymore. We're not going to play her music. We're going to ruin her life and career. How dare she rip up a picture of the Pope? But the thing is, now we're here in 2020, and cancel culture is all over the place, and people are being canceled. But, but, But Sinead was right. Yes. I, I found that like, like shocking. Cause I was like, like that was Saturday night live to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. Saturday night live was like rebellious and kind of dangerous. Yeah. You know, where they, they would do that. They would rip up a picture of the Pope, you know? And, yeah. and I, I was, I was sad that they, like, blacklisted her from the fucking show because of it. Yeah, it's fucked up. Sinead O'Connor was right. Now we know that, like, oh, yeah, for decades and decades and decades, and children were being sexually assaulted, and priests were doing it, and then the higher-ups in the Catholic Church were covering it up. Sinead O'Connor was like, hey, this maybe don't rape kids and people were like what i can't believe this let's ruin Sinead o'connor's life and it's like damn it she deserves a fucking apology yeah because she's fucking right you know god damn it it's it's like every area you know like like there is a now i'm gonna wind up getting like all fucking marxist like, like once you reach a certain amount of lo- of money, you seem just out of control, you know. Yeah. And there is not. I, I, I don't. Like every industry, you know, whether it's the film industry or it's government, or or any of it, the or the church, they're all as corrupt as fuck. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're just all as corrupt as fuck. I mean, you know, like we just blew past all of Corey Feldman's uh, accusations. Yeah. You know, about who do what. And we just kind of brushed it off as, oh, that goofy Corey Feldman. Yep. And I'm not so stories. sure. And I'm not so sure that that's the case. Let's try to fucking find out because we know definitely Weinstein. And we not only know about Weinstein, but we know that everybody in the fucking industry goddamn knew about Weinstein. Yeah. They all fucking did. This wasn't a, a big surprise to anybody. Yeah. Musicians. Jokes on it and on the fucking Academy Award. Before this ever came out. 
Yeah. Musician Aaron Carter uh, was like a young teen heartthrob musician that would be like in, in Teen Bop magazine and stuff. And when he got older, he said that like, hey, Michael Jackson is not a child molester. He's a good guy. I used to spend time with him when I was very young. We would do coke together. We, he would give me wine and we'd stay up and do coke and get wasted. And he was really cool. And people were just like, we're not going to listen to you, Aaron Carter, because you're not a teen heartthrob anymore. Yeah. And, and still to this day, I'm like, Aaron Carter was doing cocaine with Michael Jackson. How come no one cares about this? Uh-huh. You can tell me that we're not talking about this because you guys don't like Aaron Carter anymore? <laughs> That's fucked up. That is really fucked up. Okay, so when it comes to the story of Dracula, most people say, well, Bram Stoker was researching European folklore and learning about European traditions and learned about how in Europe people fear the undead and boom, oh yes, what? Vlad the Impaler in his castle where he lived and killed people and pillaged? Oh man, Transylvania. Uh, of course, this story is screamed from the rafters by Europe, by Romania, and of course by Transylvania. Yes, the home of Dracula, please, please give us money. Yes. Please visit our village. Give us money, please. Uh, this is the castle where he lived. It is Castle Dracula. Give us money, please. Yes. But Vlad the Impaler had few, if any, connections to Transylvania. And fun fact, the castle that they now call Castle Dracula, he didn't even fucking live there. Really? Yeah. Fun fact. Well, Romania. He was Romanian, right? Yeah. Okay. But okay. in Transylvania, they have, oh, this is the castle that Vlad the Impaler lived. And it's like, no, it's not. He never lived there. Uh, the story of how Dracula came to be is a totally different story that has very few, if any, connections to uh, Bram Stoker. The story is different, and it's centered around, again, the small Irish town of Sligo, not Transylvania. Specifically, the story of Dracula begins with a 14-year-old girl who lived in Sligo in 1832. Her name was Charlotte Thornley. Okay. In 1832, Charlotte Thornley is living in uh, Sligo and a massive cholera epidemic hits Ireland and hits the town and hits the town hard. People lose their jobs because so many people are getting sick that they're like, oh, we can't keep this business open anymore. We got to close this business down until the sickness goes away. There's a lot of parallels between uh, the birth of Dracula and now because they're like, oh, we can't keep we can't keep this business open. Better close it down until this sickness is over. That's not a good Irish accent. I'm just going to stop trying to do the. Okay. 
accent. Stores are closed down, and then people can't pay their rent because they don't have a job because all the freaking stores are closed. So all of these people are kicked out on the street. Massive homelessness, widespread poverty. It was grim, and that's just the economic results of the epidemic. According to the Sligo Historical Society, the cholera epidemic killed well over 10% of the town. Okay. Before, Sligo was considered a college town, a student town. FYI, uh, uh, this uh, shap came from Wikipedia, the website Atlas Obscura, and articles written from the Sligo Historical Society. I was reading their papers. They have a website, and it, it was very much a help. And then cholera hits, and the city becomes a ghost town because so many people are getting sick. That, that people start fleeing. 10% of the town died, roughly 1,000 dead people in, in a very small period in time. Uh, and 45 doctors were reported to have died from cholera as well, although history believes that the number of dead were, was much higher. It, Ireland was hit really bad with cholera, but, but, the mayor, was, but, but, but the mayor thought that if they did testing there would be more cases there so would they be more cases, the testing yeah. so there were lower cases yeah oh i we can't do testing now can we <laughs> i'm going to stop with the irish accent cuz i'm just really bad at it but um hey there's only one way to improve man sligo was hit the hardest is they were hit so bad that doctors from all over uh, Ireland, from all over Europe, started coming to the town of Sligo. Doctors, surgeons, and especially uncloistered nuns. Let me okay. tell you why a ton of uncloistered nuns came to Sligo because nurses weren't invented yet. Oh, true, true. So, so, so there were no nurses to come in, but apparently nuns who didn't have like a convent were just like, we can help you out. We're really nice and know how to treat people nice. And also we're very clean. <laughs> and doctors were like, we need all the help we get. Fucking come over here, sister. So uncloistered nuns, or as I like to call them, free range nuns. Free range nuns. Yes, free range. true. Huh. Uncloistered? Uh, oh no, no, they're not clams. Oh, like oh unoystered nuns. Un unoystered nuns, yeah. Unoystered nuns. It did make me the same thing. That's why I got uh, like nuns on the half shell stuck on my head for no reason. Yeah. Nuns yeah. on a half shell. Nun power Jesus power. So so Surgeons were dying, physicians were dying, apothecaries were dying. Most doctors who came to Sligo to help would just freaking die. <laughs> People were dropping like flies. So they tried halting the disease. So many parallels. They said, oh, you know what we need to do now? Social distancing. <laughs> but they didn't call it that because you know it's 1800s so they said you know what we need to do maintain the distance so so they maintained the distance from yes. people because they didn't have social distancing yet but then but then it's ireland and like 
like, so say I'm an Irish person and I'm like, wait a second, you mean to tell me that my brother died and I'm not allowed to have all 300 of my relatives show up and get drunk with me? <laughs> I don't think so. So, like, because people were dying, these massive funerals kept happening that no one refused, that everyone refused to stop, which just helped spread the disease more. And that probably didn't help, is what no. I'm saying. So... The epidemic, so this is where it gets dark. The epidemic got so bad that people started fleeing the town. All of the priests and the clergy were literally, ju they just went, oh, fuck this shit. I love Jesus, but, but <laughs> I'm out. So like the clergy is leaving, doctors that are still alive are leaving, and the town are leaving. But the fear was is that you probably already have cholera, and if you leave, you're going to infect other places, other towns, under other countries, and make it worse. You're going to bring the sickness with you. So the townspeople that were staying in the town dug a massive trench around the entirety of the town to stop people from leaving. <laughs> And then when the bodies started piling up on the streets, they would just wrap these bodies in a sheet and chuck them in the trench. So this is our dead people trench. Hooray! Charlotte Thornley was 14 when the cholera hit. She saw the clergy members free the town. She saw people with cholera that were dying of cholera that were still alive. Right, okay. they were they were doomed. They were doomed to die eventually, but they were still alive. So sometimes they would just holy grail them. Okay. Hey, our grandfather is dying of cholera. He's going to eventually die. So you know what? I'm, it, shut up, Grandpa. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to wrap Grandpa in a I'm sheet. I'm feeling better. Shut up, Grandpa. You're not getting better. We're chucking you in the trench. I think and, I'll go for a walk. And here's the worst part. And this is where uh, things start becoming clear. People who were dying of cholera, they would put them in a coffin, nail the coffin shut, and bury them. Okay. So you were still alive, but doomed to eventually die of cholera. But still, you have cholera, and that's gross. So we're just going to bury you alive oh. until you eventually die. So even if they could have recovered, they just died from starvation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would die from starvation or die from just being in the trench with all the other corpses rotting of cholera. Yeah, so, so Charlotte Thornley saw all of these people with cholera buried alive, near death, dying of cholera, buried in a coffin, and, like, hearing the clawing of people clawing at a coffin, you know, and clawing at the lid of a coffin, near death, but still alive. She saw survivors riot and destroy the town as dead bodies piled up on the streets. She saw the trenches being dug making her stuck in this town filled with people who were dead and about to die. Can you see the parallels yet? Yes. Okay, if not, here's here's another for you. The cholera originally came 
from their port because this was a port town. So from the port of Sligo, the boats that brought Sligo the disease, the boats would be shrouded in mist. Okay. So many people in these boats had already died from cholera and, and the boats were already so sick that the boats would arrive just shrouded in this dark mist that would cover the boat as it came into the town. So Charlotte hid in her home on Market Street, fearful of her own death or worse, being buried alive and becoming one of the undead. But she survived miraculously and eventually married a man from Dublin named Abraham Stoker. Okay. They had seven children, and oftentimes the mother, Charlotte, would entertain the children like, kids, kids, come around. Let me entertain you and tell of the story when your mother almost died from a sickness. So they would, so kids, let me tell you this fun story. We would bury people alive in coffins. And, uh, she would entertain the children with tales of Sligo and of the epidemic and of the living dead. And the third child of the family was Bram. And that's how we got Dracula. All of that Romanian stuff, all of the, the, the like, oh, yes, uh, this is based on a Transylvanian. Please come to Transylvania and give us your money, please. That's all a false flag. The real origins of Dracula is in a small-ass fucking Irish coastal town. And apparently, the way the story goes, Bram Stoker said, Mom, write this shit down. This would be a good book. People would be interested in this. And she said, okay, fine, I'll write it into a story. So she wrote the true story of her surviving the cholera epidemic, and it went nowhere, and it disappeared until recently when it was discovered by the Sligo Historical Society. And they're like, oh, shit, so you mean to tell me that we just, that, that Dracula was born here? Shit, okay, let's <laughs> research this. So now the Sligo Historical Society, Society is called the Sligo Dracula Society. Okay. And Sligo is now, the, the tiny town of Sligo is finally starting to go like, um, hey, we own Dracula now. <laughs> Transylvania. Uh, Vlad the Impaler didn't even live there, okay? So if you really want to know where Dracula came from, come to our small-ass town, and people are starting to go there. So, like, people who would normally go, oh, I want to go someplace spooky. Let's go to Transylvania. People are slowly but surely going, I want to go someplace spooky. Sligo. Okay. Ligo. So I, I, and I know I've said this like at the end of almost every shaft, but I'm surprised that people don't know more about this. We need yeah. to get the word out there. Not Transylvania, Sligo. I, I, I mean, like maybe not right now, but I could see times where, where I might just want to visit an epic epidemic spot. Yeah. You know? If they kept yeah. it all historical and you see how, what they had to wash in and things like that, you know, that I, I think that trip would be kind of interesting. And you add in a bit of Dracula. Yeah. Uh, 
No, it's it, it. Hold on, it's the Sligo Stoker Society. Okay, that's it. They've got a website, and uh, their logo is just uh, it, a red, like one of those red stamps, you know, from yeah. old school. And it says Sligo Stoker Society, and on the top is a picture of Bram Stoker, and on the bottom is a picture of his mom, Charlotte. Okay. Charlotte Thornley Stoker died in 1901, miraculously survived the worst epidemic to hit Sligo until uh, January of this year. So, got to get the word out there. Dracula's really Irish. So, it was what? His wife who sued for Nosferatu. Yeah. 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 Oh, how you doing there? Yeah. I was uh, hoping to maybe drink some of your blood. <laughs> more, that's more. That's more like Minnesotan. I mean, than makes, Irish, listen, but it makes more sense because let's face it, Mike. <gasps> what Dracula's my people? Yeah, Dracula. <laughs> Dracula's I mean, your people. Dracula. Yeah. Anyway, it makes sense because like with Irish people in the pubs and shit and drinking constantly, where else would uh, you somebody go up missing? Oh, yeah. Carl, he was just drunk in the alleyway, yeah. probably yeah. vomited himself to death or something. Nobody pays attention to those holes in his neck. Oh, be sure to get some garlic. Oh, is it because of the vampires? No, I'm making a stew. <laughs> also the vampires, but mostly the stew. <laughs> I need links because I need to share this with my folks. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I got my two main ones right here for you. So, yeah, so that's Shaft this week. Next week, we will be telling the true story of uh, porn actress Mia Khalifa, which is a sad, sad story that more people should know. So that's next week. Join us next week for more Steve's Historic Approximations. And cut on that.